You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 16. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Today on the podcast, I'll be answering the question, how can I encourage independence in my clingy kiddo? Followed by the Supermom Kryptonite, that secret energy drain that you might not know is making you tired. Today's Supermom Power Boost and the quote of the day. I thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to have you guys here. I wanted to tell you, Super Mamas, that I'm going to start doing a monthly group coaching call that's free. You just need to go to lifecoachingforparents.com and sign up for my newsletter so that you get the call-in information and the details. I know April 30th is going to be my first one. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be released, but hopefully you can make it and it'll be fun. So if you have a question that you want me to answer, I can either answer it on the podcast now or you can get live free coaching on this coaching call. So just go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and with little hyphens between record my question and you can leave it there and request either live coaching or to be answered on the podcast. So let me read today's question. This comes from Allison. She writes, my daughter constantly follows me around the house, always wanting my attention. I give her a lot of attention. I'm a stay-home mom and we're together all the time. She even follows me into the bathroom. I've tried filling up her tank just to see if she ever gets enough, but I found out the answer is no. When my husband gets home and I try to leave for the gym, she clings and whimpers begging me not to go. In fact, she does this anytime I try to leave her with anyone. Sometimes the guilt and hassle isn't worth it, and I cave in and I just stay home. Totally hear you, Allison. Sometimes I feel imprisoned by a cute and loving jail warden. How can I teach my daughter to be more independent? I think this is more common than you might realize, Allison. But I want to just comment on how much I love the way you worded this question. It shows keen awareness that the situation is a pattern of your daughter's because when kids behave this way, it can really lock moms in without them even realizing it. It's like this slippery slope and they're so cute and they're so loving and they just want you around and you start to think, hey, like I I make her feel better when I'm here. She's happy. She's relaxed. So I'll just ignore myself and give my daughter what she wants. So I'm so glad that you are aware of this pattern and that you want to change it. Because what I don't hear in this question is I don't hear you beating yourself up, thinking that you should do more, be better, that it's your fault, that she's clingy. That's huge. (laughs) I love that you experimented with filling up your daughter's tank. Like, let's just give it a try, right? What if I just pour all this attention on her? Can I actually satiate her? Because now that you've experimented with that, now you can feel confident that not having enough mom time is not the issue. My favorite part of this question is the way you worded it. How can I teach my daughter to be more independent? 
there's something really powerful about the word teach. For me, I don't know if this works for everybody, but because I identify as a teacher, I've been teaching my whole life, that I understand that teaching is not a magical wand. (laughs) That when I say, act this way, that you should obey it right away. Because sometimes as parents, we think, well, I should shouldn't have to repeat myself. I should just tell my kids what to do and they should do it. They should just obey me. And so it's really common to view it that way. But if you can think about how can I teach my daughter something, that usually means we're more patient. We expect to repeat ourselves multiple times, that it's a long process and journey, just like education is a long process and journey. And it's not our fault when they don't obey right away, because that's not the expectation. It's kind of, we're we're in it for the long haul. So I just really liked how you worded this question. And I like that you used the word, how can I teach my daughter to be more independent? So teaching is a process, right? It takes time, patience. It takes clear expectations and repetition. You teach your children how to treat you. This does not mean they're going to do it perfectly right away just means that you're committed to doing your part as a teacher, but not making it mean anything about you if they're if they haven't learned it right away. Okay, so it's like, I'm not calling myself a failure because my child hasn't learned it the first time out of the gates. When we see clingy behavior in children, it's a sign of anxiety. It's great that your child feels comforted by you. It's also important that your child feels comfortable away from you. So anxiety can be caused by so many things. Modern society causes anxiety, a genetic predisposition, a stressful birth. We're not going to waste our time arguing that your child shouldn't be anxious, okay? This is just a part of reality. A lot of kids are anxious today in our culture, whatever reasons, we don't know. (laughs) We're just going to go with it. So three things not to do. This is just the parent education answer. Here's three tips of what not to do if you have an anxious child, if, whether this is separation anxiety or as anxiety showing up in any form. One, don't sneak out without telling them because we don't want them to then be anxious all the time, never knowing when mom's going to disappear. Number two, don't have long drawn out goodbyes Or wait for your child to give you permission to leave. I'm just laughing because, you know, I work at an elementary school and teachers see this all the time. These moms that (laughs) think they're helping their child separate by prolonging it and kind of waiting for the child to feel comfortable and relaxed and happy and give mom permission to leave. It's really putting too much power in your child's hands when really a clean break is so much more effective. And yes, they're going to cry and scream as you walk to the car, but they'll get over it more quickly. And the more they're at school and feeling comfortable, the easier it will get for them. And so we just want to not have these long drawn out goodbyes and wait for your child to give you permission to leave. It's number two. Number three, not what not to do is don't avoid anxiety-provoking activities. Okay, so this is important. Anxiety builds when we avoid it. So like, let's say I'm scared of spiders. And so I avoid spiders. I scream in front of the room whenever I see one. I avoid 
going camping. I avoid nature. I avoid going outdoors because I'm scared of spiders. The fear of spiders becomes bigger and bigger with avoidance. The remedy for anxiety is to actually learn, right? This is exposure therapy. If, if you were to take, go to therapy for anxiety, they would say, let's read a book about spiders. Let's play with a fake plastic spider. Let's understand them. And just like exposure is the opposite. So if your child gets anxious when you try to leave the house, the last thing you want to do is never leave the house or never leave them alone, okay? We want to make sure that we baby step them. You know, we don't want to just like take off on a cruise for a week (laughs) and then just come back and assume everything will be fine. I mean, we kind of want to like build up their strength and their confidence and assume that this is going to take a while and so that they slowly feel more and more comfortable. Okay, four ways to increase your child's comfort and stability which will then increase their independence and eventually decrease their clinginess, okay? So we want to address this as an issue of anxiety. This isn't that your daughter needs to have you with her all day, every day. It's just that she has a predisposition for anxiety and it's showing up as separation anxiety. It could show up in any way. So what we really want to do is to help her feel more comfortable on a regular basis. Because if she feels comfortable, has some stability, feels, you know, settled and relaxed, she'll be more willing to be more independent, which will then eventually decrease her cleanness. Okay. So number one is a predictable routine. All kids benefit from structured routine, but anxious kids especially can benefit. They might even ask you every morning, like, what are the plans for today? What are we going to do today? They like to have predictability. They want to know what to expect their day to bring them because it helps them feel safe. So you can do this by having a calendar posted up on your wall. You can have a chart with pictures if they're not really reading quite yet of what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. It's really helpful if they can predict like when is it going to be like cuddle and read with mom time? When is it going to be play independently time? When is screen time? And really have it scheduled. So that it helps them feel calm and confident. And they know that like after mom gets back from the gym, that's our cuddle time. And so they don't feel like they have to follow us around the house, never knowing when they're going to get that attention because they know after nap, they'll have our attention. Can you see how that would work? So you can have routines for each day, even if it's not, it doesn't have to be like super specific. It can be very broad in general. You know, we go to the library and then we eat our lunch and then we, you know, you will get my attention and we'll play a game together because then you can say like, well, no, at the library, that's mom's time to read. You read your book, I'll read my book. And then we'll, we can interact afterwards. So just kind of setting up that expectation, teaching them how to treat you. But I also want to throw out there that if it helps, that you can also do like Monday is a library day. Tuesday is, you know, we go to the gym. 
Wednesday is playgroup. And you can have a daily thing that they can also anchor around, not just throughout the day, but on a weekly basis. So I know that some people rebel against schedules and routines, but you just, if this is you, then I'm sorry, because you've got this anxious kid who will probably benefit from a routine. So just, you know, decide what works for you and uh, see if you can increase your tolerance for schedules and routines for the benefit of your sanity as well as your kids' peace. Okay, number one is predictable routine. Number two is to encourage deep relationships with other adults and children. So clearly she feels very connected to you. You said you're a stay-home mom. You're home a lot of the time. This doesn't mean that you need to be her one and only anchor and security in the world. Really try to encourage relationships with other kids, like having kind of a scheduled play date, maybe, you know, after school every Friday, or maybe a couple of times a week, or maybe invite the neighbor kid over, you know, three days a week. So kids that get a little bit of anxiety and anxiousness, they really benefit from familiarity with other people. So if you can have a kid come over five days a week, who cares? Like it's building that stability. If you can carpool, that's really helpful. Have, you know, set days like where it's like dad's day on Sunday or grandma comes over and plays games with her on Thursday or hire a babysitter to come not once in a while, not every time you need a haircut or a doctor's appointment, but like on a regular basis. So she really can create a bond with this babysitter so that she feels really comfortable and confident. Okay. Number three. Transitional objects. So this is like, you know, your child's whoopee, their blankie, their favorite stuffed animal. These are really helpful. If your child hasn't created one, hasn't formed one, then you can help them have one. You can give them one. Or if you want to transfer, like let's say it's her blanket and she's, you know, going into second grade and you're like, mm, maybe we shouldn't bring the, sec- the blanket to school by second grade, then you can give her something else. And is a little rock that she can keep in her pocket, like a beautiful stone, maybe like a feather or something where it's not so public and it's going to get all dirty and gross, but something she can keep hidden away that every time she starts to feel nervous or scared or misses you, she can hold on to this object. And you, you're going to tell her, you're going to infuse this object with peace, with security. You're going to tell her, this will make you feel safe, okay? Use that placebo effect <laughs> and program her brain. So whenever you feel this, you'll know how much you are loved, how safe you are, that everything is fine, okay? So you want to program this into her brain. And she can hold on to the object whenever she feels anxious. You can see kids doing this with their hair if they develop, like they're twirling their hair, you know, brushing it on their face. I see adults still doing that, you know, as their security when they start to feel a little anxious. So when your daughter's clinging to you at the door, remind her of this special object and its special powers. Okay. So number three is transitional object. Number four is reduce narrow focused attention. I'll take a breath for this one. (laughs) When we're nervous, our eyes lock in to an object. Like it's like a lion stalking its prey or a cat. (laughs) They're locked in. They are very focused. 
They know exactly what they're doing. They are stalking their prey. And it's a very kind of stressful way of focusing one's attention. Okay, our brain knows that this is creating stress. And so when mom's trying to leave the house, she's kind of locking onto you as though like you're her prey. (laughs) She's stalking you a little bit, but she is not letting go and it's very stressful and it's very focused and it's just the brain state that she's in is stressful, okay? But a lion spends like 95% of its day in this relaxed, diffused attention. So humans, Americans, and tend to be way too much time spent in this focused, narrow attention. The teachers always say, hey, look at me, listen to me, pay attention over here, eyes on your paper. You know, we're trying to get them to focus their attention, but TV, cell phones, screen time also focus our attention in that same narrow way when really as humans, we're probably meant to spend like 95% of our time in diffused attention like lions, you know, just chilled out and relaxed. So diffused attention is a recuperative state. It helps our brains calm down. It helps us feel at peace. It gives us some energy. So staring into space and daydreaming shift the brain into diffused attention. Try really hard not to interrupt your child when they're in the state. I used to do this all the time when my son was a baby and he developed total anxiety. And I don't know if he was born that way or if I created this in him. Because whenever he would stare into space, I would like try to get his attention. And I don't know why it was probably my own anxiety, but... Anyways, it's one thing I really regret. Let them stare into space. You can encourage diffused mental attention with music, with art, just hanging out in nature, you know, climbing rocks, playing in trees, playing with sand, that this is much more relaxed and recuperative for your child's brain. You can even experiment with, you know, I said modern society can make us anxious. Try like turning off the electricity and just like, you know, having one pretending like it's a blackout at night and just lighting candles, you know, lighting a fire and just see if she calms down. Going outside and watering the garden, playing classical music, experiment with different things to see what calms your child down the most. The cause of this stalking and following around the house is anxiety. So we want to address it at the cause by trying to reduce her anxious feelings by creating more relaxation and more calm through these four methods. All right, mama, diving into the life coaching answer. When your child is clinging and pleading for you to stay home, it is so hard to leave. They pull out all the stops. They fill us up with their love. I love you, mommy. They like say everything that we ever want to hear them say. They make us feel wanted and needed. And it's like so hard to then break their hearts, right? Like instead of reciprocating with love and devotion, we break their little hearts, causing them suffering, tears, and misery. (laughs) This is not what we're wired to do as moms, right? We love love. We want to feel loved by our kids. But when does love become stalking and attachment and controlling? That's what we want to watch out for. So, so many moms fall into this trap of thinking, I'm the only one that can help them feel better. 
This belief keeps your kids locked in anxiety, believing they are only safe when mom is around. Mom feels so needed and so valuable that she forgoes her own dreams and passions, even if it's something simple like working out at the gym or getting a massage or just hanging out with girlfriends, that she will forgo that, trapping her in a limited existence. It feels great to be needed and wanted by your kids. I totally get it. It's like this huge temptation because I can just stay home. I can avoid the drama. I can avoid my, make sure my child doesn't suffer and I get to feel wanted and needed, but there's a cost to that. And the cost affects both mom and the child. The best thing that Allison can do is to manage her own anxiety around causing her child suffering and set up a regular predictable routine around leaving her daughter. The thoughts that are going to keep her stuck on this are she needs me and I can make her feel better and it's not right to let her suffer. We have this idea that our kids shouldn't suffer, like they're supposed to be happy all the time. And if they aren't happy, then we're doing something wrong as moms. It's like our fault that they're not happy 24 hours a day. This is our primitive brain talking. Our higher brain knows that sometimes we need to make parenting decisions that our children aren't going to like. We need to do it for their own benefit. And that we can forgo that temporary false joy that I talked about a couple episodes ago for long-term well-being, okay? Many kids don't like going to school, and yet we still require that they go to school because the long-term benefits of having an education are worth the false pleasure or the false joy or the temporary pleasure that comes from staying in your pajamas all day. Of course, we want to avoid negative emotions unnecessarily, but being willing to choose discomfort for the long-term well-being is a really beneficial life skill. And it's important to let your kids see that and know that, that it's okay you feel uncomfortable because it's worth it in the end. You know, I know you don't want to get dressed and go to school, but after you get home from school, you feel so much better, right? You're comfortable laying on the couch watching TV, but then you come home from soccer practice and you feel energized and you feel like you have made some friends and you feel socially connected and you are outside in nature. The long-term benefit after is worth that short-term discomfort of having to turn off the TV, put on your soccer cleats, put on your shin guards and get in the car, right? This is a life skill that we need to teach our kids. We endure discomfort for a high-intensity exercise class because the long-term game of fitness is worth it. We endure boring subjects in school so that we can pursue a major in college that really interests us, but we have to get through those boring subjects in high school in order to go into the work that is fascinating. We tolerate uncomfortable dental appointments for the long-term benefit of healthy teeth and gums. As humans, we're not meant to just feel happy all the time. We are meant to experience the wide range of human emotions. And it's okay for us to feel sad, to feel scared, to feel mad, to feel happy, to feel joy, to feel excitement. All the range of emotions is really important. And so when, as moms, we say like, oh, I'm, 
I have to make sure my child doesn't suffer, doesn't experience a negative emotion. That is just crazy talk. (laughs) It's this like cultural norm that we've all bought into, but it's so not true. Kids need to experience negative emotions. In fact, anxiety is really this like suppression of emotions. It's like a fear of feeling fear. But if we could just practice being afraid of things and doing it anyways, that reduces our anxiety. The Buddhists say that life is suffering. So trying to keep your kid from suffering is trying to protect them from life. Believing you can protect your kids from emotional discomfort is believing that you are more powerful than like God and how God has dictated this human experience here on earth for us. So you just really want to take a look at that belief of like, I can't let my kids suffer. I can't let them have a negative emotion because it's going to bite you in the butt. You and them. It's not a healthy one. So we really want to make sure that we are deliberately choosing the places for our kid to have negative emotions. Okay. Like because the value of me having time by myself, getting to go to the gym, spending time with girlfriends, feeling human and feeling like me again, that is so valuable to me that it is worth it that my child experiences a negative emotion for that. I'm going to choose that one just like I'm choosing to have them go to school, even though they don't feel like it. All right. So that's how we do. We kind of deliberately choose the areas in which we want them to experience negative emotion. And we value it as a really important decision coming from our higher brain. Today's super mom kryptonite is the thought, I'm tired. Now, this is a sneaky one. Okay, because thinking of the thought, I'm tired, or saying it out loud, I'm tired, it seems like you're just stating the facts. But I want you just to try it out for a minute. How do you feel when you think the thought, I'm tired? You feel tired, (laughs) right? Oh, I'm so tired. Oh my gosh, I'm tired. Oh, what an exhausting day. I'm really tired. The thought and the sentence, I'm tired, creates the feeling of fatigue. When you feel fatigue, you act lethargic. You're like, oh, I just want to lay around. I don't want to do anything. It makes you feel kind of lazy. It does not encourage energy-inducing activities. You're not like, oh, I'm so tired. You know what? I'm going to go for a walk around the block, so that way I'll feel better. No. When you think that I'm tired, you're like, I'm going to watch just watch TV. <laughs> I'm going to lay down and read my book. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to watch Netflix. And so those things might rejuvenate you. We don't know if you are So this came up in a conversation with a client because every time she got on the phone, she would say that, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And finally, we realized she was using this belief that I'm just tired all the time as an excuse to not take productive action in her life, to not do what she really wanted to do, to not, you know, write in her journal and do yoga and, you know, go for hikes in nature and the things that really rejuvenated her. And so she had this thought, I'm tired. And she's like, well, then I'll just stay home and do the dishes. I'll just stay home and play with the kids, which did not help her feel more energized, right? She had little kids at home. 
And so it wasn't like, I'm going to take a, so a break from the kids. I'm going to call a babysitter so that I can feel more energized. No, she just kept going through the motions, walking on the treadmill of a mom's life because she was so tired. So you just want to watch out for that. It's very sneaky because it feels like a fact and we can find evidence to prove that it's true. But if you rest, let's say you rest, you take a nap, and then afterwards you feel more energized, then great. Okay? You feel tired, you sit down, you watch a Netflix show, and then you're like, woohoo, I feel better again. Yay, me. Then, great. You're tired, it motivates appropriate action, and then you get the result that you want, which is more energy. If you think the thought, I'm tired, and it makes you watch Netflix, lay around, do the dishes, hang out with your kids, and you don't feel more energized afterwards, then it is a thought that's not serving you. It is a super mom kryptonite because it's not giving you the results you want, which is more energy, okay? So then that means you're using the thought, I'm tired, to hide, just like my client was using it to avoid being kind of that like better version of herself. So be really careful. Is the thought I'm tired actually helping you rest and rejuvenate, therefore feeling more energized? Or is it helping you avoid, distract you, and feeling like a really legitimate way to not take productive action? Today's Supermom Power Boost is to schedule a vent session. Sometimes all you need is a good vent session. It is so tempting to turn to our husbands at the end of the day to complain about everything that went awry, but most men are wired to fix problems. So when we unload our challenging day onto them, they try to tell us what to do. And that is not what we want to hear. Have you noticed this dynamic? Have you had this problem? We just want them to say, oh, honey, I don't know how you do it all day. That sounds really rough. Or I'm just so grateful that you're willing to do this because that's a really tough thing to have to go through. No, they don't say that, even though that's kind of what we want to hear. Instead, they say things like, well, did you try putting her in timeout? Well, did just tell your boss, no, you can't do it. Or you shouldn't let it get to you like that. This just pisses us off. <laughs> it makes us aggravated and frustrated because all we wanted is a little compassion. To get a power boost, try scheduling this vent session with a girlfriend. Most women naturally commiserate. We understand this language better than and men don't really understand that. I don't think they naturally commiserate. We vent. We get our frustrations off our chest. They tell us about their challenging day. We tell them about our challenging day and we feel better. Venting with other moms gives you sometimes just the fuel that you need to make it through another day. We don't want to be told what to do to fix our problems. We just want to feel seen, heard, and supported. And girlfriends are the best at this. So this can be like a formal, like, come over to my house with a group of other moms, pour a glass of wine, and vent. Or it could just be like a phone call with a friend scheduled, you know, every night at five o'clock, you know, whatever we talk and we complain. (laughs) But 
You can try telling your husband, I just want you to listen and not fix, and that might help, but girlfriends are the best power boost that I know of. And life coaching is not event session. Life coaching, we get down to the nitty gritty, we go deep really quickly, and we get a major transformation in how you're thinking. So sometimes people will come to a free discovery call, and they just want to tell me like everything that's bugging them. But really, we just want to take like one specific issue so that you can have the one that's bugging you the most is really the best. And then you can have a major transformation in that one area. And so sometimes people are disappointed, like, oh, I really wanted to talk about, you know, the 50 things that were bugging me. (laughs) And for that, the girlfriends are the best power boost I know. Today's quote of the day, people have a hard time letting go of their suffering. Out of a fear of the unknown, they prefer suffering that is familiar. Dick Nettman. You guys have a great day. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.